0: Hi. How are we all? All right? Yeah? Kids. Glad to hear it. <laughs> um, so, we are about to uh, continue in our series Life to Live in Ephesians. But before we do, I just want to do a quick announcement about our kids' ministry, our Grace Tots and our Grace Kids. Uh, our leaders have done a great job over the last few weeks getting things going again, As you know, our kids have had a a really tough time uh, over uh, this strange period uh, where COVID has been in our lives. And um, I think kids have have probably had it just about the worst. Um, You know, these social interactions are used to taking away from them. Many of these guys not able to understand why and uh, they've, when they've then got back together, they've been told, oh, you can't use this and you can't use that and you can't go up to that person and talk to them too closely and you can't do this sort of thing. And it's just really odd, I think, for kids. I think uh, my, they've been on my heart all the way through this and I know for many of you it's been the same. So we're doing a bit of a shout out because um, we'd love to serve our kids as best we possibly can in this season. I just feel like we've got this great opportunity now where kids don't have to uh, socially distance from one another. And although there are some different things that we have to make sure happen according to government guidelines, there's a lot more freedom for them now. And uh, as we meet together as a family, it would be wonderful to just serve them as best we can. Now, some of our leaders have done multiple um, meetings already with the kids, and we feel that that's not really sustainable. Um, So what we're asking is people... Uh, to think about and pray about signing up for a season. So from now until probably Christmas, what we'll do is we'll say, "Okay, cut off's Christmas," um, and we kind of hope that things will be a bit more back to normal in the new year. But between now and Christmas, would you consider being on Grace Tots or Grace Kids for this season? And the more people we get, the less li- the more the less likely you'll have to be on lots of times between now and Christmas. Okay. And the other thing that is more likely is that we can have four leaders every week if we can have four leaders every week it's going to make a massive difference to the kids experience and a massive difference to the leaders experience it'll allow us to split up the age groups a little bit better give them a little bit more specific content as we try and see uh, these guys engage with god and the truth uh, of the gospel okay so we always say this hey kids are not the warm-up it's not just a warm-up it's not a babysitting service These guys we are praying will encounter Jesus together. Um, So give it some thought. Give it some prayer. I'd love to hear from you. Info at GlasgowGrace.org or you can grab Jeff or Lynn uh, who lead our kids or you can grab Claire who's over here. Give us a wave, Claire, uh, who leads our thoughts, and we'd just love you to get involved. So give us a shout, let us know. Um, We will obviously have to have a chat with you about... um, who is it is that's going to be involved in the teams and what that's going to look like. So you're not guaranteed to be on the team, but we'd love you to just show some interest, show your support for the family, and, um, and we'll, we'll go from there. Sound good? Great. Brilliant. Right. We're in Ephesians. Life to Live is the name of the series, and uh, we're in chapter 3, verses 7 through 13 this afternoon. So if you've got a Bible, turn there with me, and uh, I'll read from verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. The news that Paul is in prison has sent shockwaves around the churches, especially in Ephesus. This isn't exactly the glorious victory that they might have imagined. This gospel victory, this kingdom advancing, the power of Jesus at work through the Spirit of God in the church, this isn't what we imagined in prison? Paul, the one who helped establish this church, has God removed his power, his blessing and God's ministry? Have we failed? According to Open Doors, about 260 million Christians today are at risk of severe persecution. I'm thankful to God that that's not where we are yet, In our situation in Scotland, we are in a much better place than that. But we can be expected to be rejected, called names, given or not given promotions, shoved to the side, somebody else given favor instead of people who might be seen as a bit weird. Christian, weirdo, don't promote him. Don't promote her. We've already seen teachers fired for signing petitions against the compulsory teaching of transgenderism in primary schools. We've seen staff told they can't wear crosses. We've seen how this new uh, bill that's coming into the Scottish Parliament is seriously vague to the point that it could be used for some pretty serious persecution of Christians. This hate crime and public order bill. If it's passed, I'd be really surprised if Christians weren't among the first people to be arrested for holding the kind of views that Europe has been built upon for the past 500 years. So are we losing? Is God with us? Yes. Paul helps us here to see that actually... These are not signs of our defeat. They could well be signs of our victory, of God's glory at work in us. It says that we are looking more like Jesus. It says that we are sharing in the mission of God and the glories of Christ. So actually, in many ways, it could be a good thing. Look back at verse 1. That's where we were last week. And Paul is saying to them that the reason that he is in physical chains is because he is willing and he is chained to Christ. And we found out last week that actually the most freeing place that you could ever possibly be is to be removed from the chains of sin and chained to Christ. And actually you find more freedom there than anywhere else on the planet We are most free when we are bound to the ways of God, we saw. And actually, this continues to be true even at the point of suffering and imprisonment. And I think Paul is now saying even more true at the point of persecution. In fact, Paul says that this is their glory. So not just his glory, not just that he's sharing in the glory of God by suffering like Christ, but actually it becomes the glory of the church by his suffering for them. He shares in something of the mission of Jesus by suffering with him for them. That's what he's saying. He shares in the glory of Jesus. And in turn, the church, God's people, people like us, receive the glory of Jesus through. People like Paul's suffering. So if we do, if we start to see that Christian leaders in this country start to get arrested, it will be for God's glory, but it will also be to our glory. It will be our glory. I think he needs a bit of explanation, don't he? We get to share in the glory of God as we join to the mission of God. But here's how Paul lays it out from verses 7 to 13. Okay, So it's going to help us map through these verses The first is serve, we're called to serve, we're called to tell, we're called to approach, and we're called to suffer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you suffered for us, Jesus. That you were willing to go to the cross, that, Lord, I deserved that, and yet you went. You bore my punishment. You bore our sins. You bore our iniquities. You're punished on our behalf. And instead of us being bound to sin and death, pain and suffering forever, you have suffered for us so that we can share in your glory, so that we can be yours forever. And so, Lord, help us work out how that works now in this period between your ascension and your pouring out the Spirit, the birth of the church, and your coming back. Lord, help us to work out what that looks like. Help us to to see what it means for us to live to your glory, to enjoy you, to be with you, to be in relationship with you, to be loved by you, to serve you, to be everything we are made to be in this kind of now, but not yet kind of period where... Lord, we we see that there's still suffering in the world. All is not right. There's so much more to be done. But yet one day we know, Jesus, you're going to return and make it all perfect. Lord, use us in this period now. Help us. Take us to the broken. Take us to the hurting. Take us to the people of this city who need you. Be glorified in us. Help us, Lord, to understand this in our hearts and have great joy in sharing in your mission that you have joined us to come jesus make it simple to us we pray show us how uh, even in a culture where it doesn't seem to make sense it's so different to the way that we look at things in this culture would you now come by the power of your holy spirit and to make us people who are willing to lay our lives down and in simplicity give us give you our all we pray all of that, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, serve, serve like Jesus, verse 7 through 8. In 2.8, we saw that it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? I did nothing to achieve my own salvation, It was all Jesus. I was going in completely the opposite direction. I was living for self-glory, and yet Jesus was willing to lay his life down and die for me, and with his resurrection from the dead, and his ascension on high, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, my eyes were opened, my heart was enlightened, and suddenly I knew God, I had a relationship with him. And it wasn't because I was smart, it wasn't because I was able to work it out, it wasn't because I was a particular personality type that just kind of suited being a Christian. That is not what happened. What happened? Jesus burst into my life, and he changed me. And so I cannot boast. I can't take any credit for my salvation. And all the glory must go to God. That means that every single story of faith in Jesus is evidence of the glory of God appearing. Whether Jesus spoke to you in a drug den in your 50s. Or you knelt by the bed with your parents as a five-year-old. After reading a Bible story, it is glorious, miraculous, and good. But once we have become Christians, I think sometimes what we can find is that we start thinking that it is all about us. Look at me. I am such a dedicated, pious servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, who reigns forever. Look at the way that I set out the chairs with such meticulous precision that's heavenly i'm amazing am i look at me surfing if only you could serve like me i read my bible every single day you know (laughs) do you (laughs) i'm pretty good you know no even the mission of god paul says is a gift a grace to us something undeserving and free he gives us, he gifts us the opportunity to serve with him. Paul used to hunt down Christians to persecute them, torture them, and even kill them. And so Paul can say, I'm less than the least. I, I, I don't deserve this. Now, he doesn't only call himself a servant of Jesus. Do you see that? He also calls himself a servant of of the gospel, of the message of Jesus. So once he persecuted those who believed Jesus' message, now he serves the message about Jesus. To serve Jesus is to serve his mission. He was joined to the eternal purposes of God, and he's saying the same thing should be true of us. You're not just saved in a vacuum, and then just like wrapped up in cotton wool, until he takes you home, he saves you and joins you to his mission, to his eternal purposes that are for every generation, that are timeless, that are all-powerful, that every single thing that has being, we can say, and even more than that, every, every single thing that exists is ultimately for his glory. Is ultimately about his purposes. We join to that mission. To the working out of the advance of this glorious kingdom. You sometimes wonder what kind of impact your life is making in the world. Do you ever feel insignificant? Well, read these words. If you follow Jesus, you are joined to God's purposes. His cosmic, all-time benevolent purposes. God has made you for much more than you could ever realize. I got a couple of very promising emails last week. One of them said that I had won a car. All I had to do was to click this button before the time ran out, and then give some bank details. I thought, brilliant, amazing, this is gonna be really helpful to us, we're about to move house, it's gonna be an expensive process, we can sell the other car, I'm gonna get a car, and it's a much better car than our car, and it's brand new, and I've never had a brand new car. This is so exciting. Um, Now, of course, you've heard it said before, if it sounds too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true, right? And so I checked my back in my inbox, and it turns out I've got another message from the same reputable company who have sent me this message. And it seems that my identity has been stolen, along with thousands of others, and that there are phishing emails going out, and it all turns out not to be true. You'll be glad to know I didn't give my bank details. I don't tend to, especially when I get those random phone calls from random places around the world, um, we are trained to be suspicious of things that are free and seem too good to be true, aren't we? And uh, that's a good thing. We, we don't want to get done, do we? But there are some things that are just wonderful, just so good, are absolutely free. Lindsay and I are, are so thankful that we are part of an increasingly a kind of odd situation I suppose we're in. In our society for my couple in that both of our parents both sets of parents are still alive and they're still together still very much in love and they are giving loving generous parents and so when we're going to buy this house both of both sets of parents have said look we'd love to help and they're looking to help in all kinds of ways time money all, all sorts of things it's incredible it's totally unlike the phishing email And it's totally unlike the phishing email because I had no suspicions. As soon as they said it, because I can trust them, because they have a track record with us, where they love us and care for us, where they give to their kids and they give to their grandkids, I can trust them, right? We weren't suspicious of their offers. Just very grateful. Sometimes I think we treat God's offer of joining his ways and his mission like he is sending a phishing email. That's not God. God is your Father, and He can be trusted. Not only does God make you a servant, He empowers you to serve, to truly serve God in our lives, and not just put on some kind of show, is to rely, to trust in the grace and the power of God, the Holy Spirit. When... Jesus said that we can expect good gifts from our Father in heaven, often we detach the context of that. And the context is very simple. He is saying that this good gift is the Holy Spirit. And all sorts of gifts come through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says this, Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And That is the way that Jesus served in the power of the Holy Spirit. At the beginning of his ministry, the Spirit came on him like a dove, right? That's the the kind of physical picture that was seen there descending upon him. And he heard his father's voice saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And this was a sign that Jesus was a living temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, God in human flesh, relied on the power of the Spirit and the voice of his father to do the mission of God in absolute perfection. And now, in Christ, we too can walk by the power of the Spirit and by the word of our Father. He has given us that gift. It's time we walk in it. We too can uh, walk, live, exist, be in the Spirit of God, the power of God. And it is a grace to us that we get to join his mission. We have to tell. I think one one thing that we're reluctant to say is that at the heart of this mission is to tell. Like Jesus came preaching and teaching, Luke 4, 18, look it up later on. Paul is called to preach. Now, he's an apostolic leader, right? He is... The kind of guy who is out there starting Jesus-obsessed gospel-living communities that bring transformation to villages and towns and cities and multiply and go to the next villages and towns and cities and the next nation and the next nation. That's what he was about. That was his apostolic ministry. That's what our church actually... Um, we want to represent. So he was going, he was rooting the gospel in these villages and towns, and then he was training people up, local people, to lead these churches and to be multiplying churches where they had seed, they had seed that went down into the ground, the gospel seed, and the the roots went deep into the soil, and a tree, a fruitful tree grows up. People come and shelter under it and receive fruit from it. And it also take that fruit and that seed to the next place and the next place and the next place. So when you see our logo, that's what I want us to be reminded about, the Glasgow grace. Because we're rooted in the city. You can see the city at the bottom. And the roots go deep down into the city. And this glorious tree is rising up. And we are still a young tree. And we are asking God that we would become this mature oak tree. That is fruitful and multiplying and full of seed. Once again, we see at the heart of what it means to be a servant of Jesus to the glory of God is to tell the gospel, to actually tell people about who Jesus is. Now, notice how Paul describes the message of the gospel here as the boundless riches of Christ. The, goodness, the good news is so good that it never ends. It's riches continue on forever. We had, unfortunately, we had our car broken into um, on the way down south a few weeks ago. And um, someone had uh, smashed in our passenger side window while we were in the infamous crime hotspot of a National Trust Farm car park. Um, And we came back after lunch like, oh man, are you kidding? It's raining and everything. This is awful. Got like three hours to go. crying children oh lord why anyway um (laughs) we got it fixed eventually it was all fine but we're still finding bits of glass everywhere in the car and i mean everywhere like you just i've been searching for it and searching for it and thinking i've got to the end of it i've got to the end of it this time surely no no here's another piece in the recesses of the chair poking into my bum where did that come from And I just keep finding it. Now, thankfully, there is an end to that glass, but it feels like there's not. Well, sometimes it can feel like there's an end to the gospel. You can feel like, oh, I know that. I get that. Ian, we've heard all this before. I'm just going to switch off because I've actually heard the gospel. If that's what you're thinking, you've got it all wrong. The gospel is never ending in glorious riches because it's about Jesus. It's about knowing God. It's about being with him forever and ever and ever and ever. And there is always more to discover of God. He is infinite and we are finite. There's always more to know about the gospel. It is ever expanding. It is glorious. It is treasure. It is good. So, you find yourself saying that, ah yeah, whatever pal, heard that before. No, you've missed it. The gospel keeps going. The boundless riches of Christ. Now, in Acts 1.8, Jesus is risen from the dead, he's come back from life, uh, from death to life, and he's speaking to some of the followers. And he knows he's about to ascend on high. He says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus is speaking this to ordinary people. So although we're looking at Paul, this great apostle, I want us to remember that this is also spoken to to every person that we are to share, to tell the gospel. Great 20th century London preacher John Stott says this, we can no more restrict the command to witness than we can to restrict the promise of the Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit has given it to everyone. That is uh, true of anyone who knows and loves Jesus. Um, there's more to that theology than, than just that. and um, we, We've talked about that before and we will again. But, the, but there's this truth that to know Jesus, the Spirit has to come and change your heart. And if that is true, then we can also say it is true that all of us are to tell the gospel, to share the gospel. Jesus picked ordinary people, didn't he? Fishermen, accountants, joiners, doctors, sex workers, to join God's mission, to serve and to tell the word of God. People who didn't know enough, people who weren't popular enough, people who weren't educated enough, people who were too broken, people like you and me. Michael Green's book, Evangelism in the Early Church, he took the time to do a survey of the New Testament and other early church documents and different sources, and he estimated that 80% or more of the telling of the gospel in those early days is done by ordinary believers. Lives changed. They get to know Jesus, and then they tell. They tell their relatives, they tell their friends, and they tell the people that are living life alongside. People heard the gospel because someone they knew well had their life transformed and changed and they told them. (laughs) They told them what's going on. They told them of the boundless riches that had been given to them that they could have too. That's why Paul says he was called to preach and make plain the administration of this mystery. Preach here is... Proclaim. Open your mouth and speak. Open and project your voice with actual words. Not, not preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words. No, no. Tell people. Go and tell people what's going on in your life. People need to know. It's not, uh, each to their own, you know. So, uh, you know, we won't bother talking to people about religion because... <laughs> You know, they don't really want to hear about it. I might talk about going to church every so often. <laughs> I throw that one in there. But, but I won't tell them about the gospel. It's just a bit awkward. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, good idea, yeah. Good idea. Don't force it on people. Um, even though every part of that person needs Jesus. Even though every fiber of their being was made to worship and that Jesus is the only way that they can know that purpose. Even though their, their eternal future is entirely dependent upon you getting into their life and telling them the truth. I took that further than I wanted to. Not that you would tell, but that they would hear. It's an important correction. <laughs> is there a is there an intentionality in the way that your pl- the plan of your life is working out. Do you know what I mean by that? Are you intentional to serve and tell? Are you intentional about your daily routine, about your weekly routine, about what you do each term, about what you do each year? Are you intentional about pursuing God? Are you intentional about serving Him? Are you intentional about telling people about Him? Lindsay and I found that, over lockdown, we just had the opportunity to ask ourselves some of those questions. And honestly, some of them I was like, man, there's, there's some what I'd call mission creep here. Where you've, you've thought, I'm, I want to I wanna give my life to this. I want to give my life to that. I want to have time dominated doing these things. And honestly, there's so many other things that creep in. And we need to be intentional about telling the gospel to people plainly about pursuing Jesus, about going after him with all of our hearts. So we now have this, we've put this little like weekly planner together and we've had to put things in like, spend some time with Jesus. Spend some time together. Spend some time as a family. Spend some time praying for your friends who don't know Jesus. Spend some time with people who don't know Jesus. We've had to put those things in because if we're not intentional, mission creep comes. We start doing the things that we didn't set out to do. If we're not intentional. We find it often just doesn't happen, particularly in this culture when it comes to telling people the gospel. And in verse 10, Paul reminds us that to be on the mission of God is not a solitary pursuit. We don't join with God's mission on our own. We join with the church. I think this is probably... The most surprising thing to many people nowadays, as you're reading through this, the mission of God is worked out on the ground through his people together, not on our own. God chooses to use the church to reveal these unending riches and glories. Paul's already said in 2.19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are saved by God into his family, into the church, into the church locally expressed. The shared experience of being known and loved by God in the universe as his children is what uniquely positions the church family to be the communities that reflect the way It is supposed to be lived. When people are lonely, lost, broken, they need to see there is a loving community out there, a loving community that they can get involved with, where they will be loved, and where they will see that there is a God in whom they are looking to image bear, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is the perfect community the one who welcomes them in. And that takes us to the third point, approach. Paul doesn't just serve and tell. He does it all with God. He can approach God the Father like Jesus the Son. What we are telling people about is what we need to be living in Believe the gospel and run to God. Verse 12. Approach God with freedom and confidence. We don't just tell people about this relationship that they can have with God. This amazing relationship where we can enter into the glory of God for yourself and then not enjoy being with him ourselves. Guys, we've got to, Keep going back to him and just being with him and pursuing relationship with him. In verse 7, Paul had made it clear we need the Spirit's power to serve. serve but actually, I think sometimes we talk about the presence of God or, or the Holy Spirit in church as if he's a battery pack or something that we carry around, you know? Like some, some sort of like energy source. Do you know what I mean? Like, Do you guys remember Tamagotcha's? I had a Tamagotcha, pretty cool. If you've never heard of them, you're like far too young for that. Uh, look them up and laugh at us. And um, you had to like feed your Tamagotcha and all this nonsense. And um, it, sometimes I feel like we, 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 can't, we think we can carry around God's presence, you know, like put them in his, our pocket and then, oh, hey, it's uh, time for a worship service, so better pull out my power source. Like, that's, that's not what the presence of God is. Yes, he is the one who empowers us here on earth. Glorious, that is good, wonderful. But he is a person. We come not to an impersonal force to be turned on or off. We come to something that is so much better news than that. We come to a person, a person who lives with us, a person who is in us, who lives in us, meets with us, talks with us. Remember Jesus' baptism? He said Jesus walked by the Spirit in his power, but but actually it's more than that, it's relational. Jesus had made a way for us to live like that, the Spirit of God in us as temples, not behind curtains and bricks, but... With access to our Father, the Spirit gives us access to our Father. So now we can be in the presence of God because Jesus has broken down the barriers so that we can run in, our sin no longer holding us back, but removed from us, put on Christ and swapped with his righteousness. And now we run in as priests as, in fact, we are Like temples, the Spirit resting on us and in us. That means we can talk with Him. That means we can walk with Him. That means, yes, we can serve and tell by His power, but we do it all in relationship with God. This isn't some kind of formula. This is relational. God is here. He is speaking with you, and He loves you, and He is walking beside you in your life. When we talk about the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. That's what we mean. And lastly, we are to suffer like Jesus. When we get to verse thirteen, I think now, having seen all these other points, we can see actually there is something in this. There's the kind of flow to this. Because we're seeing that to serve like Jesus means that we're willing to lay down our lives like Jesus did. And it means that Paul's imprisonment wasn't a defeat. It was a result of his willingness to serve, tell, and approach. A spirit-filled life is a cross-shaped life. It leads to opposition. If you want more of Jesus... But without any difficulties, you'll be sorely disappointed. To join with Jesus in a broken world for Jesus and the people he loves is a privilege, it's a joy, it's a glory. Let me just quickly turn to 1 Peter four, fourteen. It says this. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Been slagged off for loving Jesus this week? Felt rejected for loving Jesus this week? This is your glory. The spirit of glory is resting on you. You are blessed. The more this persecution increases, you we need to to remember this: you are blessed. We're walking in the ways of God. Back in verse eight, Paul calls himself less than the least. He gets it; he's done nothing to deserve to be a servant of Jesus. He once persecuted followers of Jesus, literally hunting them down and even killing them. Now he even counts it a privilege to suffer at the hands of those who persecute like he did. We should count it a privilege too. Mocked for your faith, count it a privilege. Not given that promotion because of your faith, count it a privilege. Threatened to be fired for standing up for what you believe the Bible says, count it privilege guys. we get to share in the glory of god as we join in the mission of god and paul has laid it out verses 7 to 13 here serve like jesus tell like jesus approach like jesus and suffer like jesus and it is your glory it is the church's glory and it is ultimately to the glory of god let me pray Lord Jesus, thank you for Paul's example. It's the way that he so willingly lays down his life. He just gets it. It's just so obvious as you read through what he says to these churches, particularly to the Ephesians. Oh, wow, he gets it. He he sees you. He sees that. I, I sometimes wonder, Lord, does he look back to that? Um, moment on the road to Damascus and just remember your blazing light that blinded him and just being face down before you and just seeing something of your glory, being aware of your glory surrounding him. Does, does that carry him as the, the Holy Spirit you just poured into him? Lord, we want that kind of thing. We, we want to be amazed at the glory and the wonders of your unending gospel these riches that go on forever and ever and ever would we be captivated by that would we live our lives to glorify you in every way and would it lead us to the point that we are willing to serve and to tell and continually approach you lord i'm thinking about daniel now just like going and praying no matter what, even though it meant lines, dens for him. He he was willing to keep going back to you, to your presence, to, to be with you, to be in relationship with you, to be praying with you. God, make us people like that. Make us people who are bold and brave because we know that our reward in you is so much greater than any other reward this world can offer. We love you, God, and we count it a delight to worship you no matter the cost. In Jesus' name, amen.